Welcome to The Yarn, a school library journal production. I'm Colby Sharp. Today on the show, we feature creators Brad and Christy Montague. This husband and wife team have created a beautiful 2023 picture book, the Federal Bureau of Imagination, and it will inspire your readers. It will inspire you to share all of those untold stories that you have in your heart. Uh, Many of you are probably familiar with some of Brad's work. He is the creator and director of the web series, the web sensation, Kid President. I had a blast talking with Brad and Christy. We talked about how it is, what it's like for them to live creative lives, how they met in college, and what it was like creating this book together. I hope you enjoy this episode of The Yarn. Brad, Christy, tell me a little bit about the fantastic Bureau of Imagination. Wow. Where do you start? I mean, we were honored to get to do this book. There are these figments that just kept showing up and they wanted to help the story be told. And I didn't think I was the one to do it. Uh, But apparently other authors and illustrators were busy. So we got to tell the story. (laughs) Now, I am curious what it's like working with your spouse. That's like what I want to know the most. Like, How does that work? (laughs) Go. We, we have always worked together on projects. Like ever since we met each other, it's just something that we've done where we collaborated. I mean, we met um, uh, in high school, I guess, like at summer camp and then uh, became friends right before we went to college and went to college together. And I've just always collaborated where I don't know, like our personalities, I think, just really play off each other and are able to uh, kind of fill in what the other one lacks. Like he's uh, much better at writing it than I am. And so he's great at writing the story and then coming up with the characters and the design of all of that. And then I'm able to bring color to all of that and uh, kind of finish everything out. Yeah. And that's, I think I, I, um, I, a lot of people are like, how do you do this? How do you work with this? I could never do that. And, and the, the honest answer is I couldn't, not do it this way it's just such a natural way for us to to be able to create things together it's a way of being together um and and also like i think we're we've been super inspired to see that there's this really long line of creative couples who've worked together and and kind of made the other person stronger and better like um i think that's definitely the case here where i'm able to um be challenged and my work gets stronger and better and I actually finish things. (laughs) (laughs) That's the hard thing. Yeah. So when you are working together, are you like together together? Are you each like doing different things in different places? Are you like watching each other, like write words and draw pictures? (laughs) Like what is that? I want to like, I want to be able to see it. Paint that picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, like how did, how did like the, was the provinces the way that they worked? (laughs) Where did, what did they do? Um, yeah, like I think there are parts of the process in which I am writing or I'm working on an illustration and she's looking over my shoulder going, are you done yet? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you died? I'm waiting because she does. This is just, she's this remarkable painter and, and um, is sort of like waiting to see, OK, what are we doing? What did what did what did you draw here? What do I have to fix? Like, what is this going to be? Uh, yeah, like 
what would you say? Yeah, it just kind of depends on what it is. And there's some too that like he'll do the initial sketches and then I kind of flesh it out and turn it into more of a finished uh, piece. But then a lot of times like I'll need him to redraw stuff or we'll kind of like re-examine parts of it and be like, oh, we need to change this or like he may draw the characters and then I change out the background. Like it just kind of depends, but it's, it's usually kind of coming together and talking about it some and then splitting up and working on our own stuff and then occasionally coming back together to think, figure it out. Yeah. And, and one thing is, is uh, for me, there's all these ideas that come and you get all these ideas and you're just going, what do you, which one, which one is the right idea? And one element of that is, if I feel the idea is worth bringing to her, <laughs> like if I have the courage to go, hey, I had this thought, then I think she knows, oh, he really is thinking about this idea. And if she kind of responds dismissively, I think, oh, I gotta, I gotta like, <laughs> I gotta uh, up, I gotta really prove why I care about this okay. idea enough. And generally, like by the third time I bring up an idea, she goes, oh, we're doing this. Like, this is going <laughs> to yeah. be. Uh, so it, it definitely helps to, to have a creative partner that helps you present the, the best version of what you're trying to create and say. Yeah, I think criticism is a difficult thing to have to deal with, but there's so much love and trust like in our relationship mm -hmm. that we're able to give each other criticism in a way that will build the work and help it. And we might be a little mad at each other for some of it. There's been times where I'm like, yeah, this just isn't working. You've got to change it. And I think he'll get upset or frustrated, but then later he'll realize, yeah, okay, you're right. And we'll kind of come back together on it. Yeah, sure. Yeah. You two are adorable. This is so nice. <laughs> you met at like a high a camp and then you went to college together. Did you go to college? What did, did you know what you wanted to do? Did you envision that you not that you envisioned you would be married working on children's books together? But did you envision <laughs> that you would have these creative careers? I, I'll say this because I share this with students a lot. And I know that you like working in that space is such so beautifully like uh i didn't know it was possible mm -hmm. <laughs> like i i hadn't i had never met a person who actually wrote a book for several years um I, or i lived in a really lived in a really small town in tennessee so i just never i always wanted to like i was obsessed with books i've made my own books made my own comic books made everything but i was like oh i'm not an author i could never do that and uh even wanted to pursue a major in art okay. and that was part of what attracted me to her she was an art major and i was like whoa this is <laughs> this is so cool i know i know a real painter a real artist <laughs> and and i was just enamored with the fact that you mean you can actually do this for a living tell stories create things um i mean you your parents always yeah, my parents were always super encouraging of anything <laughs> I wanted to pursue. And so it's funny because my sister and brother and I all went into creative careers. Like oh. he's a musician and she went into fashion and I went into art. And it it just it was never anything that they were like, oh, we have to get a paying job and that, you know, we're like thinking about any of that. They were just like, if you're interested in it, go for it. You'll find the way, you know, to make it work. And so I worked as a graphic designer uh, for many years before we kind of started doing our own thing. Um, but that also lends to being able to do the layouts for the book mm -hmm. and things like that. And um, so I think it, it all, it all worked out. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, so what led the two of you to create things for children? 
I think there's a lot. I had a lot of question marks about what I wanted to do as I grew up. But one thing I knew for certain was I wanted to do something that served children. Mm-hmm. And I, I was an education major for a moment. I worked in media uh, and that's where I like was really curious about how to tell stories visually, um, how to work in um, videos. And and so like I started in news, which was like the closest element to video (laughs) and art that I could do. But even that was going, I I learned working in news. These are the stories I don't want to tell. And I just kept going, what, what stories, how could I tell stories about kids or for kids that would enrich their lives in a way that, that is so needed and that I wanted to be part of. So we created a web series called kid president that grew out of that desire. (laughs) And, and like that, that was a space where I was able to work and write and create daily uh, Mm -hmm. and release things almost collaboratively with classrooms where uh, it was, hearing immediate feedback on here's how our school's using this here's what our students wrote and then i would include videos from from kids within the and it just became this conversation and that was a really exciting way to create something that was for kids and with kids and alongside kids and um was a thing i became addicted to it's like i i have to be part of this forever yeah. uh and now books are like this this incredible door in which you get to share stories you get to be enter into their world they enter into yours and then you collaborate together in some way to bring that story to life in the world so like the bureau of imagination is as an example is has been this thing that we allows us vocabulary to talk with students Mm -hmm. about hey, here's this incredible resource of imagination that you have. What could we create together? I wonder what we could do if we told a story together. And so that's that's like, that's <laughs> just the thing that I'm obsessed with. And I love, love, love it. This episode of The Yarn is sponsored by Candlewick Press. In the picture book, This is a Story, written by John Shu, illustrated by Lauren Castillo. Colby tried to talk with illustrator Lauren Castillo about this as a story, but things didn't go as planned. And oh, wait, 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 wait. Let me make sure it's st- okay. We are recording. Okay, sorry. Is my sound okay too? Yes. And okay. once we're done, thankfully, things got back on track. Okay. You ready? So, Lauren yeah. Castillo, please read your pre pre written out ad statement so that oh Travis can edit it. I feel so type A right now. Eventually. This is a story is a poem and a love letter to libraries and a homage to stories everywhere. The illustrations that I drew depict finding just the right book, sometimes with a little help. The story tells the tale of a child choosing a book with the help of a very astute librarian. But more than that, it shows how reading can change us for the better, make us more compassionate, and grow our hearts. Colby and I both love this book, and we think you'll love it too. This is a story published by Candlewick Press. is available now wherever books are sold. And one of the, the things that I love the most about the book is this this idea of a cave of untold stories. Mm. Can you talk a little bit about where that came from and just 
how you think of all of these untold stories in the world. Yeah, well, I, I was um, a, a very creative kid, but also very shy. And I had a fourth grade teacher who saw me in a way that that no one else had, that she she saw that I was writing things and kind of hiding them and <laughs> not kind of hiding them, like literally hiding them and um, obsessively making comics and mm-hmm. telling stories and and that I had something to share, but didn't know it had value. And so she was the first person who pulled that out of me and and said, hey, this is this is actually interesting. We want you to share it with the class or stop finishing your work so early so that I'll give you paper. <laughs> like you don't have to rush through your test to just color on the back. Um, and that was this huge moment in my life of, of realizing that someone saw that I had something of value to share. And um, it's a theme that, that I've found has been, you know, that be who you needed when you were younger as this guiding mm-hmm. force Um that whenever I have the chance to be with a young person or a person who cares about young people, if I can tell them you have something so brilliant and valuable to share with the world and I want to hear it, um, it just is a reminder that everybody has value (laughs) that we forget and creating space where people are listened to, where people are seen. um, That's, where the cave came from. And I think um, there was sort of this lump in my throat around the idea that there might be a kid in some classroom or even a parent reading the book who realizes that they have something beautiful to share that they, for whatever reason, haven't. And that could be a creative thing or it could be a text that you didn't send to somebody you love. It could be anything that we've imagined but we didn't bring to reality. And that, that's where it came from. I, I believe that we all have something really beautiful that we can imagine together. And it's about us bringing them to reality together that, that is, is going to change things. Yeah. It's, it's interesting in, in class, like we have all of these things that we have to teach, right? Like, so right. in writing, like right now we are working on persuasive writing. It's one of the, we do it every year and, and it's a very important type of writing. And so often the kids are like, what do I have to do? What do you, I have to do today so that I can do what I want to do as a writer. Right. Yeah. So yeah. like today we're working on like really exciting stuff, quoting from an article to help <laughs> strengthen our claim right? and they're going to do it and we're going to do it. But for most of them, the goal is to get to the story they want to write, to get <laughs> to the type of writing. Like one of the kids in my class is working on this encyclopedia of all the different types of ants, right? This other kid is working on a comic with his cat who has met like this fantasy cat. And after re- and we talked that. a lot about that reading after we read the Fantastic Bureau of Imagination, all of their stories. And it really has lit. I mean, it's made them want to focus less on what I'm trying to teach, which I totally <laughs> respect. I totally respect. Right. Like I know that I have these things and all of the different lessons that I teach hopefully are mm-hmm. tools for what they want to create. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's interesting to think about that cave. I, I, yeah. Dave Pilk, well, I right, love Dave? That you've, you've created this whole uh, environment in which they feel this desire to do that, which is this longing to share, which is one of uh, is going to lead to beautiful things. Like that's so, so good. Yeah. 
I hope so. I'm glad that you had that fourth grade teacher. And Christy, you said that your parents were very supportive of you wanting to be an artist. Like what kinds of things did you create when you were a kid? I like loved making um, cards, like greeting cards. And I, oh. I like was like, one day I want to work for Hallmark. Like that was like my dream. And then kind of went in a different direction. But um, I love sewing too and like making things with my hands. Um, and so ever since I quit like my daytime job and then we've just kind of been able to uh, pursue our own stuff, uh, I've been getting more back into that of like creating things by hand and um creating things by sewing or other different materials and learning new materials and things like that. Um, and so that's something that um, I don't know, it's funny to think back and to look back through like things I made when I was a kid and also things I talked about, like when I grew up, what I wanted to be mm-hmm. and then realizing like those came true. Like that's actually, you know, what I'm doing. Like if I could have told my younger self, you know, you'll get to color all day when you grow up, like <laughs> for your job and <laughs> get paid for it, then that would be awesome. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty cool to be able to, to do that. <laughs> That's so interesting to me. So I have, I have a high school sophomore son and mm-hmm. he, every day he comes home, gets his homework done. And then he just works on comics, right? Drawing comics. Drawing yeah. comics. Yeah. And we've asked him, like, is this something that you want to do? And he says that I don't ever want it to be, feel like a job. So mm-hmm. like, I want to do this for my career, but then this on the side, what is it like when this thing that you have as a passion is also how you pay the bills. Like, what is that hard? Is it exciting? Is it stressful? Does it make it? I'm just very curious about that difference that when that line blurs and changes over to also how you feed your family. Yeah, I think it's exciting and it's fun, but you can hit a period of burnout because you don't really know when to turn it off. Like, whenever I was working as a graphic designer, uh, I was also a photographer and I worked for a university in like their marketing department and did both of those things. And it got to the point that like, I loved my job, but I would work endless hours, you know, where I would stay late and photograph events and different things like that to the point that I was just like, I don't want to do anything anymore. Like I just want to quit. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's just trying to find those boundaries and like turning it off and having time that you're not doing those things or not focusing on the work. And so that's been a struggle, I think, for us, too, especially when we're trying to hit deadlines where it's like, okay, we've only got so much time and we've got to get all this work done. But finding those times to take breaks, to not be focused on the work and to be able to do things just for fun. And that's something I think pursuing creative interests outside of the work is also Yeah, um, One of my favorite artists is Karita Kent, and she has this uh, thing within the creative process where she talked about um, play and work becoming friends. She called, called it plork. And that, <laughs> that like, and even had a plork book and the plork, her workbook was a plork book. And the whole thing was, you know, which I've, I definitely find that some of my, the things I'm most proud of are the most playful or messiest parts of, <laughs> of um, what I made. And so you're always kind of tapping into that childlike element of play but also realizing I've got to turn this in today. So, yeah. so, um, plork is, is plork. the answer. <laughs> plork. That would be a great t-shirt. Plork is the answer. We get so, many questions. so my last question, and I would like for both of you to answer this, what is your hope for the fantastic Bureau of imagination? Oh, you want to go? I think you got this. One. Oh man. Oh man. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you, you you always hope that a story you tell will find the people it needs to find. And um, one of the things that was my hope early on with the book is 
already happening just within a few weeks is that I wanted it to be a story that would inspire more stories that mm -hmm. like the kind of thing someone would read and then immediately go, oh, I want to go make something. Oh, I got to do this. Um, and not like homework, but more like plork where they would read it and go, oh, I want to do this. Um, we've seen that with our own kids. We have a 10 year old, and eight year old where they will engage with some piece of art and then it just sparks some sort of, oh, we got to go play this game. We got to go do this. And uh, like I, we set up a mailbox where people can send mail to the Fantastic Bureau. And so we've got like uh, packets of mail that's just like Aww. really beautiful ideas. And, and it's everything from let me design what we think the Bureau looks like to let me write out what we're imagining a story is that we're going to tell. And this is one. I just pulled one out. It's like um, this girl's going to imagine that a house for people who are homeless. Oh, my so gosh. Threw out like how she wants to build that. <sighs> and you're going, they get kids. it. It's a silly oh, picture kids. book about it's got flying dogs in it and like all this. But they, <laughs> they are already tapping into what you imagine. Like James Baldwin said, the intangible dreams of people create the tangible you know, world we live in. Uh, that, that's what I want. So another project with around the book is we created a, a, a guide where kids can design the sit, a city. So we're calling it Ultra City. And so classrooms are working on designing and imagining the best possible city of the best possible future. And that's <laughs> like, I'd love for people to read the book, but really I'd like them to build a city. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Dream big. How about you, Christy? What's your hope? Uh, I just always hope that it finds the kid that needs to read it. Like, I think with all of our work, it's like, even if it just is one kid that's like, I needed to hear that, I needed to read that today, then I think it's worth it. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Yarn. Thank you to Brad and Christy Montague for creating an awesome picture book and taking the time out of your busy schedules to chat with me about it. That was really fun. Thank you to Heinemann and Candlewick for sponsoring this episode. Thank you to Philip Stead for creating our theme song. Additional music for this episode comes from the Free Music Archive. Thank you to my co-host, Travis Yonker, for helping me edit and produce this episode. Travis, it's the NBA Playoffs. It's one of our favorite times of the year when it comes to sports. Travis and I will be exchanging messages daily about the previous night's basketball games. Go Warriors. My name is Colby Sharp. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.